All right. Welcome to another episode of the Traveling Hoopers podcast. I am your host, Alan Pettigrew Jr. And in front of me are my two best friends in the world, Philip Dixon and Calvin McGowan. Guys, go ahead and let the people hear your voice. Uh, Once again, I'm Calvin McGowan. Pleasure to be here. Simple, straight to the point. Uh, How's it going? My name is Philip Dixon. Glad to be here. What? No, AKAs? Okay, my bad. AKA the coupon man. Let's get it. <laughs> oh, it is Burger King. You don't love yourself. Let's go ahead and get into basketball talk. Philip, you're you're our Chicago Bulls reporter. Go ahead and tell us how that uh ball brother game went and just the entire week of Chicago basketball. We should make like a um a, a sound for that. You know how ESPN's like has da-da-da-da-da-da. I should have like a Chicago Bulls sound, but we can talk about that later. Um, the Chicago Bulls are looking great. <laughs> um, the Chicago Bulls are looking great. Um, you know, Very they had a couple games this past week. They became the Kings of New York, apparently, when they beat the Knicks and the Nets. Um, you know, there's lots of jokes out there surrounding these things. Uh, DeMar DeRozan has the most fourth quarter points in the NBA so far this year. He is legitimately killing Zach Levine. Killing, obviously. Um, um, and then Vucevic is getting his legs back under him. But he had a couple 30 games. And he was 6 for 7 from the three-point line the other day. Um, and their defense is just very tenacious. So I had him fifth. I had them fifth in the NBA uh, by the end of the season, but the fact they're top two is surprising, but I didn't realize the Knicks were going to be look the way they're looking. Um, so by the end of the year, what the Bulls have is sustainable. So they're going to be top three, I would say, at this point. Okay, so... <clears throat> Look, I don't have anything to say about that. I really haven't watched Chicago all that much. Uh, but I noticed you didn't say anything about Lonzo. Um, as of right now, he's shooting 41% from three-point line, 45% of the last five games, and he hit the game winner against the Nets. Uh, I don't need to speak for the man no more. Uh, I have been an advocate of this man for like four years at this point. Uh, but now he's showing what he can really do. Um, and they beat the Nets and Caruso went out because of a hand, a hand injury. So, you know, Lonzo and Caruso are going to be some, all deep as a team, first or second, one of the two with Caruso being number one in steals and, um, Lonzo guarding one through fours, right? When they play the Knicks, he's guarding Julius Randle, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, He's doing his thing. He's playing on the ball a lot, but he's also playing off the ball, which is, uh, you know, a development and evolution of his game. You know what I mean? So I don't need to say anything about him because all the haters have been silenced. I mean, tell you, to, to be honest. So, uh, but, you know, if you like Lonzo Ball, you don't necessarily just like flashy basketball. Like, he's, he's an intangible player. But he has flashy qualities. The step back three, the crazy passes, uh, you know, the court vision, the full length court vision, which is a thing you don't see in the NBA much anymore because the point guards are scored and more ball dominant, right? So 
he has spurts of flashiness, but a lot of his game is intangibles. Uh, so once again, I don't need to speak for the man, but the fact that Rosen's doing what he's doing is incredible to me. Um, people are calling it resurgence. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if it's a resurgence or if no one was just watching the Spurs. Uh, no one was watching I, the Spurs. <laughs> I, I'm, exactly. I think that's what it was. Um, but he is eating. Like these. He did a he did a move the other day where he had he did a he did a crossover crossover behind the back spin move for a for a mid range jump shot and I was like like it was so difficult but like it wasn't getting the credit due of like people not realizing how difficult that move was it was kind of mind boggling to the truth because he made it look easy. Y'all remember when DeMar DeRozan was like rookie year DeMar when he was just dunking on everybody? And that's like pretty much all he could do. Yeah, fresh out of USC DeRozan. Yeah. But like... Bad yeah, acne yeah. DeRozan. He's on Respected. a good team. I wonder if he's just like in the inside of him. Like he's just happy that LeBron's in the West. Because <laughs> he's a really good regular season player. But this year he's shooting a career high from three, I believe. So, like, he's trying to expand his game a little bit. But I think the team is around allows it to be the case. You know what I mean? Because when Sam, like, he was him, Derek White and him, uh, in, in, you know, in, uh, in the little Marcus Aldridge for a little bit in San Antonio. But, like, you know, at least in um, Toronto, we had Kyle Lowry, right? Then Van Vliet off the bench, and, like, all the other guys around him. But, like, here in, in San Antonio, him and Zach Levine's crazy combo. Like, it's a really crazy combo, though. Because, like, they complement each other so well, it's crazy. But, uh, look, man, we didn't we didn't talk about how good this team is. And you haven't talked about the most fun matchup we can possibly have versus the two ball brothers. Like, it's true. I mean, they have similar stats. Um, that, that game, LaMelo is... They're just both good at different things, right? Like, LaMelo's a very flashy player. Lonzo's not flashy. He is tenacious on D. LaMelo's not tenacious on D. Um, They have similar passing abilities, but Lonzo shoots better from the three. LaMelo is a better finisher. Like, they literally just play different games. Like, people want to pretend like they play similar games. They have similar attributes, but they don't have similar games. Lonzo is a, is a pass-first point guard. LaMelo is uh, the standard point guard of 2021, right? Of shoot first, pass second. And, you know, if you listen to ESPN, Fox Sports 1, they put that agenda. I don't want to say agenda, but it kind of is an agenda. They have a very similar game. When if you actually watch the game, their games aren't similar at all. Like, at all. And LaMelo plays strongly on the ball. Lonzo can play just as strong nowadays off the ball as he can on the ball. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so that whole, like, the rhetoric of they have similar games, so let's compare them. You can't compare the brothers because they play differently. It would, like, like Jello, you can't play, compare him to one of the other two brothers, too. His game just is obviously different. But the other, but when it comes to Lamelo and Lonzo, the games are so different that you know, I if people compare the 
playing style on both and say it's similar, I, at this point, don't think they actually watch basketball. Hmm. Okay, I can feel you on that one. But uh, let's go ahead and go out west with our next set of questions. And let's talk about the two hottest teams in the league right now, bro. The Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. In game one, what? Phoenix got win 18 in a row. And then four days later, they played them again, this time at their home. And they don't just win. They win by like 22. And like, tell me the difference between game one and game two. Because I didn't watch the first one, but I did watch the second one. And it was just much uglier. Like, uh, their defense still looked really good. But Golden State had answers for just about everything. Their adjustments were better. Uh, Steph Curry pretty much doubled his production, but it was still a bit of an off night for what Steph Curry's doing right now. He went from 12 points to 23. Um, and then Bridges got hurt. I want to say it was like like midway through the second quarter, so he couldn't play that defense like he was in that first game. Um, but everybody else looked like solid. They just they just couldn't keep up in this game. And you're talking about second game, right? Yeah, in game two. I'll oh, see the first game, Dev- Devin Booker. Didn't play the whole game for a hamstring reason. Um, and Steph Curry shot, like, a career low. Like, from the, from the field. Um, 4 of 21, 3 of 14. Boy, that's so, nice. like, Steph Curry didn't play a Steph Curry game. Either game. But his teammates stepped up on the second game more than they did on the first game. Um, but Steph Curry didn't have a good game either, either way. I personally think... The Phoenix Suns are a better team than the Warriors, personally. Um, you can argue for it or against it, but I'm of the mind that Phoenix Suns are actually a better team when fully healthy um, because they know each other much better. Yeah. I think they know each other better, right? Uh, they know they, they know each other inside and out, but once again, it's a Chris Paul issue. But like as of right now, you know, 25, whatever games it is into the season, like, I think that if your team, if Steph Curry has to go off like that for a team to win, in the playoffs, you can't depend on that. Because the reason, it's not it's not as if the first game he was just missing. He was getting tossed around. Like, like literally. Like, that was the game plan. Because if he's off, the whole team's off. Yeah. So, you know, it didn't work as much second game as the first game. But in a seven-game series, it's going to work more times than not, I think. Especially in that playoff where things slow down. Um, you know, but once again, they have Clay coming back. But I don't know how Clay's going to look, right? So we're going to have to figure that out. Um, but you can, if Steph Curry's not going on, you can't depend on Jordan Poole every game. He's a he's not even a star level. He's a role player. And you can't depend on Andrew Wiggins. He has the mindset of a role player. You know what I mean? So it's just these things that, yeah, I said it. I said it. Uh, it's just these things that, uh, you know, with those things being the case, I just think that the Phoenix Suns are overall a better team. And these two games kind of showcase why they will be better in the long run. I like how you disrespected uh, Andrew Wiggins as a Kansas alum. We should take your degree away. But uh, so well, more than six points against Stanford and you know, so that wouldn't happen. But whatever. All right. Flat. <laughs> 
Flash forward. <laughs> Flash forward five months from now. We're late May, early June. Western Conference Finals. Golden State Warriors have a 80% clay versus a fully healthy uh, Phoenix Suns. Seven games. Who you take? Well, just like Phoenix Suns going to be fully healthy at that point is a stretch also. But um, Golden... No, no, no. But I don't know. An Achilles is something you can't play with. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I truly don't know because that's such an X factor that I can't call it right now. Right? If he's not 100%, because apparently the, the word is he wants to come back in game shape. He doesn't want to come back in game to game shape. So yeah. if he comes back 100%, then there's sky's the limit. You know? But if he doesn't, I don't know. But also, Draymond's been playing with just Steph Curry for like two years now. Is Draymond, is, is, is the chemistry going to be off? It comes late in the season. Will it be a 2010, whatever it was, Jameer Nelson kind of situation? Come back late in the season, those are the whole entire, you know, feng shui of the team. I don't know. It could go perfectly right. It could go perfectly wrong. I have no idea. But we're going to have to just see. Um, but I guess if the glue is Draymond Green and his goal is to just get everybody else open and pass everybody else the ball, then I guess um, that makes things easier than, you know, other scenarios that could possibly be at play, right? But but I'm going to take Phoenix in Game 7 at that point in the later in the season, personally, right now. Yeah. It, I almost feel like I'm not too worried about Clay anymore because his it's not like his game was ball-dominant. Like, the only thing you really worry about is if the defense is there. And if he goes from elite level defender to, let's say, average, and he's taking like Jordan Poole off the floor, like, only thing you're le- losing is like creation. I've heard I'm sure he's still going to be like a what forty percent shooter. Listen, I've minimal. heard this discussion point, this argument about Clay Thompson, the way he plays, not affecting the or not being too affected by the Achilles. Give me another example of where that's been the case. Because Achilles injuries are something that people don't regularly come by unless you're Kevin Durant. Or come back from, excuse me, unless you're Kevin Durant. And that's Kevin... Dominique Wilkins did it too, but both of those players are like God-level dudes. Yeah. yeah, and Dominique and like Dominique did do it, but Dominique still wasn't as productive. He's productive, but not nearly as productive as he was years before that, right? Years prior. Um... But everybody else is like it's not good. So what makes Clay different than everybody else? Like, besides one of the greatest scores of all time and arguably a top ten scorer of all time, like not like scoring ability of all time, right? Being Dominique Wilkins, like Clay still got to make cuts. He got to outrun the opposition. He got to do all these things still laterally and vertically and in straight lines that you have to be able to do in a basketball court. You have to have an explosion because his jump shot comes from explosion. And your Achilles, spoiler alert, has a lot to do with your explosion. So I can see him being perfectly fine, but for but a lot of people, are, I can see him being perfectly fine or I can see him being really, really, really not the same clay we have come to know. But a lot of people are saying that no, I want to fuck this game with such confidence. I'm like, okay, how do you know this? Because he's not playing. 
This is the highest level of athletes in the world. How do you know that an inch off his jump shot won't change everything? I mean, fairness, he'd probably been practicing jump shots for a while at this point. But also, like, the only thing as far as, like, the athleticism with making cuts is, like, you can run him off picks that eliminate some of the need for for him himself to be fast enough to 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 get to get it also you know you know you don't really need that much he's a good enough shooter he doesn't really need that much space anyway granted but like you can make the argument that changes with some of that lack of explosiveness it changes like explosiveness but also like he gonna have people going at him these people getting paid oh. to be the best competitors that can be he off an injury and it was and people forget about the ACL. People forget about the ACL. He had the ACL and the Achilles. Bro, it's what, been nine hundred days. That's a duck. What you say? It's been nine hundred plus days. And since he's been on the NBA court, bro. I can just be that guy still. Come on now, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Bro, that is ridiculous. Nine nine hundred plus days. That's almost he, three he's years. He's talking about he a top seventy-five player of all time too. You can't miss five hundred days, nine hundred days. You can't miss the last nine hundred days. Of your prom and saying, yeah, I'm still top 75. Come on, that ridiculous. Dwight not in, you not in. Hey, if, if we being if we being honest, I'm sick. We we can go back and throw some little top 50 out. Bro, I'm sick. And <laughs> hey, I'm I'm I look. I, I still feel some type of way about all this. We can go back and we can go back and look at some people. No, no, we will. No, no. Last reaction, last reaction, last podcast of the season. We'll go back. But with that being the case, though, I do have to go. I have to bid you farewell, aka the coupon man has some other business to take care of. Um, and you guys will see my business uh, at the beginning of this upcoming year um, when I advertise what it is, my secret on this podcast. Hey, when he leaves, we're just going to tell y'all what it is. Bye, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Yeah, thanks, you guys. All right, later. All right, guys, with the coupon man, he, he really has to come over with. Like, his his AKAs have, like, fallen off a cliff. You know, just like in the co- last couple episodes, they're just not the same anymore. So with Philip out, we're going to go ahead and switch gears over to the high school basketball realm, and we're just going to talk about uh some games that we watch in a few elite guys that we think we're going to be one and done prospects in that 2023 draft seeing that most of these guys are going to be 2022 uh seniors and uh i will open the floor up for calvin to go ahead and give us his guy okay i guess the first one i'll do just because like it was my first like over the thanksgiving week was my first time getting a good look at him outside of like a couple minutes like a minute or two at like the end of a game for what was it eybl but mm-hmm. uh jordan walsh Ooh. right like he's he's a lot of fun to watch right like solid handle really athletic just kind of find way finds ways to get to the hoop right just plays with a lot of energy um actually just a like a surprisingly solid passer yeah uh and a good rebounder not much of a three to speak of at the moment but like i don't know i wouldn't be super concerned about that as is as like eric musselman and probably wouldn't be super concerned about that in terms of like 
as a pro scout, you want to see it develop, right? Because, what, he's like a 6-7 wing. But, like, the fact that it's not necessarily there right now wouldn't concern me that much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. he's... Hmm? No, go ahead. And I'm just like, he's almost certainly going to be like a one-and-done. He's just... It's just... Watching him play is just kind of a... It's an experience. Yes. He, he is so fun. It, when we talk about athleticism, it is it is freaky. Like, I don't... I can't think of another guy in this class who gets off the floor faster than he does. And for him to be kind of like... He's he's slight. Like, but it's explosive. Like, if you in a way, you gonna get dunked on. It don't really matter. Like... I guess the only person I can think of in this class who is like similar level of athlete may be Shaden Sharp. And you guys are going to see him at Kentucky, what, in a couple weeks, basically? Because, uh, you know, he just transferred up there. If, if he even gets some playing time, but he'll at least be on the bench. Um, so you gave us a Jordan Walsh. I'll raise you a Dariq Whitehead. I do not know if you watched his masterpiece of a game against IMG on mm-hmm. Friday. Yo, Calvin, we watched between NIBC and Geico's, we watched Whitehead play seven times last year. He did not attempt a single three, and he didn't have to because he was so quick at um, the point of attack that he was just blowing by guys. Like, there was not a closeout that he saw. He played Kendall Brown last year in, what, three of the games that we watched? Calvin, he he had five of them. He shot five, five of nine from the three-point line that particular day, had 31 points, was scoring inside the paint, was hitting mid-range jumpers. Like, this dude's game looks completely different than it was just... Yes. We watched those games in February. It's like eight months. No, ten months. The game has been completely different. Like, I didn't watch him much over the summer. I didn't I didn't feel like I needed to because we had watched him so much in that short period of time and wanted to see some growth. This dude, this dude is incredible. And, like, he's probably six, seven-ish. You saw how big he is. Like, he's a real stocky dude. He's got to be at least, like, 200, maybe 210. And uh, he, he just... He's shooting off the dribble. He's shooting off picks. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to, like, make him a combo guard at some point, even though he's clearly a two. Like, he's he's next level. Like, that's, that's somebody who, like, maybe after this, I'll go look at the 2023 mock draft. If they don't have him as a first-round guy, like, top 15, um, fire that person and hire me. Cause I clearly do a better job of all of this. That kid was incredible. Um, Alright, so a different player, one that I don't think as many folks have heard of, mostly because like I I don't think I've paid, I don't think I've seen him that much in like the 24-7 sports rankings or whatever, but uh, Leonard Miller I, I've mentioned him to you, plays for Fort Erie International up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, 6'9", small forward. Um, like, in a weird... Like, his game is kind of similar 
So while it's like you're gonna like if you watch it, like you feel like there's similarities. Like it's kind of like they get a lot of their shots in some similar places, but Miller already has a three point shot, right? Um, he like. Like he he's 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 a better three point shot. His handle, their handles are about what and what, um, you know, does a decent job of getting to the rim. Like he's not as good at that as Walsh, which, you know, makes sense. Um, but you know, slightly more well rounded offensive game. Um, what I have here, I think I felt like he gambled a fair bit on defense, trying to get come up with like steals, you know, mm-hmm. trying to jump the pass. Um. And, like, he's a lot of high-major offers. Of course, in part, he's... You're not going to hear about him much. He's up in Canada. A lot of the games just aren't up in Canada. Yeah. Um, but he's... He's really, really good. Right? Like, I wouldn't... It wouldn't surprise me if he was a one-and-done. I'm not going to guarantee that he it, that he will be. But, like, it, it really wouldn't surprise me that much. Okay. I, I like this guy. I know you sent me the link to some of his games, so I'm going to go ahead and get into that before we do our prospects corner uh, on this upcoming Thursday. Episode should be out Friday. And uh, I raise your Canadian and I give you uh, one of the scariest prospects who's clearly lying about their height in Jairus Walker. Um, they have him listed at 6'8". I've seen him walk past uh, Derek Whitehead and they were looking each other in the eye. This dude is 6'6", but it does not matter. He can officially guard one through four at this point. And you know, when we talk about like guarding, like a four being able to guard point guards at the high school level, it's like your little brother. No, he is guarding like elite level high school basketball players that are five-star status. And he stays in front of him. He's extremely physical. If you try to throw a big man on him, like you, I've watched him play against Mark Mitchell of Sunrise Christian Academy. And Mark Mitchell has an extremely physical game. And Jess Walker shut that down. Like he tried to like body up on him. And Mark Mitchell, 6'9, he's a pretty strong dude, probably listed at like 215. And Jerris just gets up under you. Like, he truly understands how to play defense. And I feel like if if he gets a true jump shot, like a really consistent jump shot out to three, he's going to be one of those 3 and D guys that we're talking about in, like, Davion Mitchell, where he's just an incredible athlete. He's tough. He's better than you. At some point, he got injured. And it, it was, like, pretty seriously where they had to, like, take him out the game for, like, a couple minutes. And you could tell that he did not want to leave. And in that time, the other team went on a run, and he came back and shut that down. Like, uh, one thing he does do that he's probably going to have to work with a little bit while he's in Houston, he hunts for blocks instead of just, like, already getting in position because he's such a good athlete at this point where if you throw a floater, he's going to high point it and send it into, like, the next row. Um, but he's also sliding over to take charges occasionally. Like, he is going to be one of the better defenders in high school basketball. I mean, a co- high school basketball, but college basketball. As a freshman, you're going to hear me harp on that for, like, years to come. Every time he makes a big defensive play in Houston, I'm going to be sending out a tweet like, I told y'all, I told y'all, I told y'all. 
trust me, he is the real deal. Yeah, look, I just talked about this man for about three minutes straight. I ain't even mentioned what he does on the offensive end. Because it's a bonus. It is it's literally the icing on the cake. Like, he's a good finisher. He's super athletic, so he's got the above-the-rim game. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not enthused by his jump shot, but he doesn't need one at this point. I think if he does not go one and done this year, he is going to be one of the more like loved on college basketball players, especially in Houston because they love defense so much. And Houston has like a really good track record of making guys better and better each year. So I wouldn't even be surprised that when he goes down there for the summer, when we see him in October, his game has like completely changed, or at least he's made like a leap when it comes to scoring the ball. Okay. Uh, that makes me think of a branch, but I'm going to spare you. It's kind of idiosyncratic. But uh, Trey White, Ooh. you know, got to see prolific prep. Uh, got to, you know, look at all their players. I like Trey White a lot. Good passer. Good, like, really good passer. Good shooter. You know, he's got good court vision. High-level athlete. Like, I, he kind of just makes his teammates better, which is, you know, good, especially good. He's, you know, a 6'5 shooting guard, right? Um, just, you know, a really good addition to USC when he steps foot on campus next year. Uh, he's the kind of player I think lots of coaches would love to have, right? Just makes teammates better, can, can score. Just, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself now, but yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I, I rock with that answer as well. Uh, USC did an amazing job recruiting this year. Like they have Vince Ubuchukwu, who we're going to talk about uh, this Thursday, and they have Kajani Wright, who I feel like are going to be like two drastically different bigs, but are going to give USC a bunch of the things that they need which is going to be great because I'm pretty sure Isaiah Mobley is going to be up out of there after this year. And then you add in Trey White, really, really good recruiting class. I like them a lot. And, um, you know, our next one, I'm going to go out on a limb here because he is a Kansas guy. And one thing I know about Kansas guys, especially Kansas shooters, they tend to stay for a while. Uh, and that's Grady Dick. You remember watching Grady Dick last year with Sam Ross Christian. Really athletic, 6'6", maybe. He's somewhere between like 6'6 and 6'8". He looks pretty big on the court. This year, they don't really have like a true, true like lead ball handler like they did with Kennedy Chandler last year. But Grady has made strides in his game or at least been in the position where he can create his own shot. And it just looks like really good. Like he doesn't force anything, but he's also like a good enough ball handler where he can get shifty, get into step backs, be able to shoot off the dribble. And him coming off screens is like a thing of beauty. So I truly think Bill Self loves guys like this. Like he, I think I've been saying this comparison since like last year. It reminds me of Svi Mukai Luke, except. He's not afraid. Like, you remember 
I don't know if you remember Spee's. Uh, I don't know if you remember Spee's uh, outlook going into Kansas. We're talking about like a six eight dude with like a forty inch vertical. Uh, he shows a little bit off the dribble. We didn't really see that at Kansas until like his senior year. Like all we saw was like the spot up, and every once in a while we saw the athleticism. I don't think that's going to be the case with Grady Dick. He seems very confident in what he can do with the ball. And I think with the spacing that Kansas already has, and usually there's a really good point guard there, that, yeah, he's going to be a guy that's going to shoot like 40% from three, but there's also going to be like late shot clock moments where we see some flashes, and they're going to be like, you know, if Grady Dick wanted to come out, there could be some like late first-round potential. But he's a Kansas guy. You know how it is with them. Two, three, four years, maybe even like an Oshai Abaje level guy. Not on the defensive end, but he's not bad at that either. Like he's he's got like really good foot speed, athletic. I like Grady Dick a lot, and I'm just not being a a Kansas homer right now. Like I, I really enjoy his game. Um, but Calvin. Mm-hmm. We can't get the people everything in this podcast. I like it. We kind of got a lot of let it ride here. Exactly. We, so we we gave y'all six. We gave y'all six people that are going to probably be first round picks between the years of 2023. And probably like those last two guys like Trey White and Grady Dick might be more 2024, 2025. But you heard it here first, folks. I gave you what you needed years in advance. Pay me now or you're just going to be upset later. It's up to you. But thank you for sticking around for, well, this long for the podcast. Uh, you got NBA content. You got future NBA content. And uh, as your host, I bid you adieu. Again, I am Alan Pettigrew. And I'll let my good friend Calvin go ahead and sign us out. Once again, everybody, I'm Calvin McGowan. It's always a pleasure to be here. If you're joining us on YouTube, you know, like, share, subscribe, all that. You, can, of course, can always listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Enjoy the rest of your week. And we have a Prospects Corner. It is indeed coming Thursday. But last time we said that, we did not mention which Thursday. So, okay. Oh, and look, go go ahead and go subscribe on YouTube. We're pretty handsome dudes. Like, you won't be upset. You Don't play us around your girlfriend. True player for real. Act for real. Yeah, we out.